0: Chapter 16 tonight, if you want to go ahead and turn there to open up. And appreciate this morning uh, uh, the message. It's a good message. I'm enjoying uh, having Dr. Randy come and preach and hearing him and learning. And some of the things this morning that he was... um, talking about or discussing or things that they were going through, the message, uh, these. What are, what are the these? What are the things uh, that, that, that we may be tempted to love more uh, than we love God? Or what things are we, are we inclined to put in, in front of or ahead of Christ in our lives? And we all have those things. Um, I have those things. We all have those things. It could be a hobby. It could be something that's, again, not wrong to do, okay? It could be a perfectly fine hobby, an enjoyment, something, but if we put that hobby or that goal in life ahead of Christ, it becomes something that we love more than these, more it becomes one of the these, maybe. Um, but I was thinking through, as he was preaching this morning and talking about what is it that we love more, and, and as we go into a, a new year, that as we um, put aside those things, that maybe could get in the way of following Him, that could get in the way of where our true love should be focused, it really has a lot to do with some things that God has led me to tonight as well. And so it's always encouraging to see that, uh, because as I was reading through some things this week, uh, reading through um, daily devotions and different things, this this verse kind of jumped out to me. It's Proverbs 16, verse number 3. It's going to be the main part of our text tonight, but we're going to look at a few other verses around Proverbs and, and then through the Scriptures Tonight, But it really has to do with uh, how we focus our lives and, and moving forward in a new year, or in a new beginning. I, I like the, the idea of new years and new beginnings, you know, the things that are behind are behind. And we can, as Paul said, press toward the mark. We go forward. But in doing those things, we often have to, uh, we have to take a step back and look at, 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 and begin the right way. You can't, you can't finish the right way if you don't begin the right way uh, in whatever it is that you're doing. And so we have to start off in a new year, in a new way, beginning and, and focusing in the bright and proper direction. And, and this verse really jumped out to me in that, in that way. And a lot of different things came to mind this week about that. Building a foundation was one, starting to build a new building, you know, or, or, or start a construction project, which, you know, obviously, I, I mean, I know very little about those things. But I do know you have to have a plan. And I do know you have to execute that plan well if you're going to be able to get you're building to stand, if you're going to have the right foundation, if you're going to finish your project well, you have to begin well, you have to begin with the right plan. And that's kind of where we're getting to tonight, the main focus, I guess, committing your way or committing your works this year to the Lord. So I want to begin just by reading Proverbs 16, verses 1 through 3, and then we'll look at some things and some applications, some takeaways from this today. Let's begin looking there. In Proverbs 16, verse number 1 says, The preparations of the heart in man and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weigheth the spirits. And then here's the main part of our text tonight. Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. And let's pray real quick. Lord, we thank you for this word that we've given tonight, God, and thank you for... Uh, just uh, the things that you have shown me and taught me this week. I pray, God, again, that your words would be what comes through, and your words would be what is heard tonight. And uh, we thank you for that time and this opportunity to look into the Bible, God, and to get instruction. In your name we pray. Amen. So the book of Proverbs, of course, is wisdom and understanding, getting sound wisdom, getting good wisdom. Uh, the kind of wisdom that we need for our lives. And so it's a good place to begin establishing and building the foundation from. And as I said, this verse really stuck out a lot to me, or stuck out a lot to me. Committing your works to the Lord, and your thoughts shall be established. See, our foundation always has to be in our lives God's Word. It always has to be God's Word in, in our lives. We can't, there's no other foundation that's good, there's no other foundation that is right for the Christian life. And so beginning here, As the map with the Holy Spirit as our guide, as our compass, looking into God's Word as the main foundation, we see important things here. And I want to back up to those first two verses because in order to get to really what verse 3 is talking about, we really need to get the whole context of what's happening here. So if you will look with me at verse number 1, and it says, The preparations of the hearted man and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. And this is a very important thing to kind of begin looking at here, because what the verse is basically saying is that in our lives, we have been given the ability to plan and think ahead of things, right? We can sit down. There are some people that can sit down with a blank piece of paper and sketch out how to build something or whatever they do today. You know, they use computers and stuff now, but but there's a plan. Some people have the, you know, we have the ability to sit down and think, how am I going to get this pile of wood to be this you know tool shed or whatever this ramp whatever I want it to be how am I going to do that or whatever project it is you know some of you ladies in here you work in the in the sewing and you making the dresses and the shorts and you look at a at a piece of fabric a piece of cloth there that you've bought or purchased or whatever and you have a pattern you have a thought in mind of how you can turn this into shorts or a dress okay and, and, and you look at the big picture you you see that. And that's what this is here. We have that ability. Why? Because God created us in his image. It goes back to Genesis 1. You know, in the, in the image of God, we're created. And God is a thinker, a planner, right? If you start looking through science and you start looking through other things, you see how so many parts of, of creation are so connected together and so put together so well that you can't. It it boggles my mind that people think it all happened by accident and chance. It boggles my mind that people think that, you know, the design and the creation that is there in front of you, people look at that and say, man, one in a million chance that happened, right? No, it was a design. It was was built. It was created by God with an intent and a purpose and a design and a specific thing. He looked at nothing and created something. And that image, that part of God's mind of being able to plan and look ahead and focus and draw out and, and create, is part of what is the image of man. So that's that first part of verse six, of first number one. The preparation is the heart of man. We have that ability because of that. But I want you to look at the next part of verse number one. It says, "The answer of the tongue is from the Lord." And in that version it's a little bit it sounds a little bit weird, but basically what it means is this: man has the ability to plan and prepare and put together, but God is the one who actually allows things to happen or has the control. There's only one person that can plan something out and make it happen the way that it that it's supposed to happen the way that he wants it to happen. That's God. So we can plan ahead and we can think and we can scheme and we can do those things. Sometimes God has a different plan than what we may have planned for ourselves. But it doesn't mean that we don't take the time to sit back and count the cost and make a plan. Look over at Proverbs 19:21. Not too many pages away from where you are, no doubt. Um, and this kind of gives us a different perspective, but the same meaning of verse number one of chapter 16 it says, there are many devices in man's heart, nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord that shall stand. There's many things that we plan to do. There's some things that you may be planning to do in 2019 um, that you didn't do in 2018. But ultimately, God is the one who has the ability to not only plan something and think about it and prepare it, but actually bring it to pass. So we have to remember that. But it doesn't excuse us from that planning stage. And we do have that ability to plan. And so we should. We should take some time and sit down and count the costs and plan and and think through some things. But trusting and knowing that the end is going to come from the Lord. The answer is from the Lord. Back in verse number 2 of chapter 16. Getting in a little bit more of this contrast here. It says, all the ways of man are clean in his own eyes. But the Lord weigheth the spirit. And this is very important for us to look at, too, because in the scheme of things, often we we forget that it's God who uh, is in charge, that it's God who is the one who has the ability to plan and make things happen, make it come to pass. And here in verse number two, we get a little bit more insight here into this, this idea. as It says that all the ways of man are clean in his own eyes. What that basically means is this, is that, that man is often prone to self-righteousness, right? As we're planning and thinking ahead and as we do things and we scheme, sometimes we think that what we're doing is right because we're the ones doing it. We think it's the right way to go. Um, we can be often prone to self-justification of why we're doing these. Why are we taking these actions? Well, it's because of this reason or that reason. We're self-righteous sometimes. Uh, but God judges in righteousness, and His ways are perfect. And that's what that next part of that, that uh, verse there says, that we may have a plan, and it may seem right to us, but it's God who judges righteously. And so we, we need to be careful of that, that as we're making our plans, that we are careful not to become self-righteous in our own thoughts and self-righteous in our own schemes. I like this quote from Charles Spurgeon. It says, They who are best acquainted with mankind will tell you that self-righteousness is not the peculiar sin of the virtuous, but that most remarkably, it flourishes best where there appears to be the least soil for it. I think that's kind of an interesting quote because it says, you know, it's not virtuous or or people that are doing well that that, that often are self-righteous. It's those who are more shallow, those who don't have the depth, those in the soil that, as we see in the parable of the sower, that, that, that soil that wasn't deep enough that really take hold, self-righteousness. And so we get that way a lot, we, but we need to remember that as we come into verse number three, we make our plans God has the ability to bring things to pass. We trust in in what he has for us, and we're careful not to become self-righteous in our own eyes and justify our own actions, but instead we look to God and allow him to work through the things that we're doing. So we're committing, and that's what verse number three, so that's what it comes down to verse number three. We're committing our works to the Lord and that thought shall be established. And we have to get that kind of perspective and that context there as we go back. And so we just want to take this verse tonight, simply break it down into the two parts that are there: Commit your works, and your thoughts will be established. Commit your works and your thoughts will be established. So what does it mean, really, then, to commit your works? I think the answer to that comes I and mean, when we take a look at what the word commit actually means or what it is implying to us, what it is telling us today. First of all, we're trying to see that it has, it has to do with dependence on God. It has to do with dependence on God, remembering that we're not able, again, as we saw earlier in, in chapter 16, we're not able to bring things to pass that we plan. We can make plans, and, and like I said, for, the, for a lot of things, we should make a plan. But we're not able, able to make that plan happen. We don't have that ability. We don't have that power. We don't have the ability to have the next breath apart from God. We don't have the ability to do the things, to do anything apart from what God gives us the ability to do Him working. So that word commit there has to have that understanding that, first of all, we have total dependence on God and who He is. And and this is, in studying this, this, this word commit has the idea of rolling a burden onto someone else, or rolling something away from yourself and onto something else. Rolling away. That, that, that really gets down to the main point of what it means to commit your works to the Lord. That we're taking them away from us, we're taking these things away from us and putting it all on God. Realizing that's who we have to depend on anyway. We're rolling everything onto God. Roll a heavy object. Commit The word itself, as we know it in English, uh, has the idea of finality, right? I'm putting this here. I'm committing it here. It's going to stay there. We commit resources to different things in our lives, or we, we commit time to different things in our lives. I'm going to commit this amount of time in my life to helping with this project, or I need to commit this amount of time in my life to doing this thing to make it ha- you know, to, to, to help have uh, the, the plan be successful. I'm going to commit to something. It's a finality. I've decided that that's what I'm going to do, I'm going to be a part of this thing. We roll that burden, we commit that to the Lord, we give it to the Lord. We don't take it back, we don't try to roll it back to ourselves and try to make it happen. That's where we get into that self-justification, that self-righteousness part where we start thinking, well, you know, maybe if I just take a little bit of this back, I can, you know, manipulate it here and there and I can make it happen the way I want it to be. But we have that total dependence on God and we cannot. Similar verses to this phrase would be like Psalm fifty-five twenty-two. It says, "'Cast thy burden upon the Lord.'" And he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. Rolling our burden on God. Cast your burden onto the Lord. We see it also in, in the New Testament. In 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Other verses that I, that I didn't include tonight but are coming back into my mind now. It's when Jesus tells his disciples not to worry about what they're going to eat or what they're going to drink. When Jesus tells them in the Sermon on the Mount that you shouldn't take thought for those things, the Lord knows that you have need of food, water, shelter. You don't have to worry about those things. You can commit, you can roll those things onto Jesus because He knows He can take care of us, our everyday existence. And so that's important for us to understand. We're committing our works. We're giving those things to God because we can't do anything about it on our own anyway. We can't, make it, we can't bring it to pass. Turn over with me to Psalm 37, please. Psalm 37. So this beginning, again, having a successful year, having a successful year, and success being, of course, not like, you know, financial success. I'm not going to stand up here and tell you 15 ways to make, become a millionaire in 2019, because that's not what the Bible's about. But having a successful year for the Lord, having how can I uh, uh, have a successful year for the Lord? How can I reach more people? How can I be a more effective witness? How can I grow in my walk with Christ? How can I be more effective this year for Christ? Psalm 37, verses 4 and 5, and going we'll to look at these two verses here because they have a similar thing as well. And verse number 4 says, delight thyself also in the Lord and he shall give thee the desires of thy heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Some of you may be ahead of me already, and yes, that word commit there in that psalm is the same as the word commit in Proverbs in our text tonight. It's the same thing, rolling our burden. But look back at verse number four real quick. Delight thyself also in the Lord. That means make God, as, as, as Dr. Randy was talking about today, make God the thing that you love the, the most, the supreme love, the agape love, Delight yourself in the Lord. Make that the high priority. Make that the highest thing. Love the Lord supremely. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give the desires of thy heart. Now, you're, some people would say, man, that's just great. I want that new Ferrari. I'm going to go to the gas station right now and buy that winning lottery ticket because that's the desire of my heart, right? By the way, I know all of you in here, if you did play the lottery and you won, you'd tithe on that money, wouldn't you? Don't answer that out loud. <laughs> All right, I was just teasing about that. But here's the thing, are you ready? Delighting yourself in the Lord, making Him the supreme love, as we heard about this morning, and then getting down to the desires of our heart. It's not that God's going to give us whatever we want, you know, gimme, 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 my name is Jimmy, right? That's not what it means. It means that God is going to work in our hearts and our desires will become His desires, his desires will become our desires. Is what I'm, that's the other way around, sorry. His desires become our desires. And as we delight ourselves in the Lord, and He is the ultimate love of our life, that, that what we desire is what He is desiring for us, and He brings it to pass then. And we pray for those things. We ask for success. We commit our works to Him then because He's making His desires our desires. And we're growing in love for Him. Verse number five, commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. That means there that the answer comes at the right time. The right answer at the right time. God always has the right answer at the right time. As we grow in faith and knowledge of God, our works become his works as we delight ourselves in that. Back over in Proverbs chapter 16. There's two parts to that commit. The first part of that commit was we depend on God. We have to depend on God. There's nothing that we can do apart from Him. So we depend on God solely and completely. But the second part of committing our works is that we have to do those works to the Lord. We commit our works to the hands of the Lord and we follow through in doing them with all of our might. We give diligent attention to what we're doing and how we're doing it. Not only what we're doing, but how we're doing those works. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says this, Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Do all to the glory of God. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Now we need to stop right there again for just a minute because this again is not a, a blanket permission slip for us to be able to do whatever we want to do. Well, I'm doing it to the glory of God, so it's okay. See, in the context, and we don't have time to go through this uh, and actually read it, but, but in the context, this whole part of 1 Corinthians starts actually in chapter number 8. And he concludes it by saying, whatever you do, do to the glory of God. But back in chapter 8 of 1 Corinthians, he begins in saying, hey, listen, there's a thing that we need to look at in seeing how what, what we do and what should what we do be tempered by. How are we doing these things? It's not an all-inclusive doing whatever you want to do. Paul says this throughout the rest, from, from verse, from chapter 8, verse 1, all the way to 1 Corinthians 10 31. He says we have to temper what we do with these questions. First of all, here it is. Is it beneficial? Is what we're doing beneficial to the body of Christ, to the church, to the furtherance of the gospel? If it is, do it all to the glory of God. Is it enslaving? That's when we miss sometimes. Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians. Sometimes, sometimes we ask the wrong questions. Sometimes people say, hey, you know what? Can, can a Christian you know, do this? Can a Christian do that? And if you ask the wrong question, what do you get? The wrong answer, right? The right answer is, the right question, excuse me, is should a Christian do this? Let's go to God's word and see what it has to say about it. Oh, a Christian probably shouldn't do that. Some things that we allow in our lives become enslaving. If it's not enslaving, if it's beneficial, do all the glory of God. Will it hinder the spiritual growth of someone else? Will it hinder the spiritual growth of someone else? If somebody saw you who was a new Christian, saw you, and they said, hmm, they've been going to church a long time and they're doing that, I guess it's okay. Does it edify? Does it build up the kingdom? These are questions that Paul asks all throughout that. And he then comes down to the conclusion. All the things that we do should be guided by these principles, and if they are, then do it to the glory of God. So as we commit, we do the works unto God. There's a similar verse in Colossians 3.23. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily, as unto the Lord, and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. And in that context, now get this, in that context in Colossians, Paul's writing to slaves. Paul's writing to people that are being bought and sold by those uh, in charge, Roman officials or whatever. He's writing to slaves and saying, listen, do your work for God, not for your master. And here's the reason why Paul is doing this, I think. Paul's not trying to attract a following to some kind of anti-slavery movement, although we need, you know, there are things out there that need to be cautious and, 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 and be done away with, okay? So don't, don't get me wrong when I'm saying this, okay? Paul's trying to make sure that people put the focus on Christ. So as we work each day, whatever the work is that we do, don't do it to please man. Do it to please God. As you commit the work in 2019, as you commit things to God in 2019, give it all to him because he's the one we have to depend on. Don't try to work it out for yourself. Don't try to do the details. Be careful about self-righteousness. Commit it all to God, but do it for the glory of God. In the middle of all that work, things are difficult. We're serving God and not man but we commit our works to the Lord and we do them heartily to him. That's the first part of that verse there. Commit your works unto the Lord. Commit your works unto the Lord. Back in our text, there's one second part though to that and that is our thoughts shall be established. Thy thoughts shall be established. Back in 16, verse number three, Proverbs 16, verse three says, commit thy works unto the Lord. Thy thoughts shall be established. Our thoughts are established. In a lot of ways, this is a little bit of, of uh, a reversal. Solomon here writing uh, the book of Proverbs and, and just a little bit of a reversal of, of order. Uh, we may say that it might be better to say that a person should uh, have their thoughts established first and then they commit their works to the Lord. You know. But Solomon here, I think, is making the point that, that we're told in first committing and trusting putting that trust and faith in God first. And then he leads us and establishes our thoughts. What Solomon is teaching is that we commit those things. We can trust him that it will be accomplished. We, Instead of thinking we can accomplish our own ways, like verse 1 talks about, we can do it ourselves, but no, God is the one that... That says yes or no. And instead of getting into the realm of self-justification and and trying to justify our own actions and self-righteousness, we remember Noah said we trust God. We don't trust ourselves. We trust God. And we're not trying to work things out ourselves. Then we can commit the works of the Lord. And that's where the context of those three verses comes together. We're not trying to make things happen ourselves. We're not trying to manipulate and twist things and twist facts and make it happen for ourselves. And we're not trying to justify our actions. We're committing, we're trusting wholeheartedly in God. And that could be a reason there for why the order is a little bit reversed from what we may think about. But established, established, undivided attention to the right path. And I found this beautiful picture of a a path through a, a luscious green meadow. Isn't that great? But committed, committed to that path. Established, undivided attention. I love that. Undivided attention to the right path, an idea that we're not even going to um, look away from what we're supposed to be doing. you know I've heard people say, it, and I've never done it so i can't uh, I can't personally testify to it but but plowing a field with an animal anybody ever done that before? Okay I was always told that you had to find a point on the far side of the field that you could look at, and go towards that point. Am I, am I right so far? Because if you didn't, what would happen? OK, there you go. All right, see? But that's the idea there also. Tractor 2. Tractor 2, OK. I, I have driven a tractor. I have mowed the grass with one of the big things on the back of a tractor. I didn't really look at a straight point. I was just mowing grass. It didn't really matter, you know? As long as the grass was short, it was right, right? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know, Mike says, no, put the lines right, right, Mike? Mike puts the straight lines and we mows the grass, I bet, don't you? Pays attention to that. He does a good job. But that's the idea there, though, okay, that we see in establishing establishing the thoughts are established. We have a fixed point that we're going towards. We have a direction that we're being led in, and we're going that way. If your first quicker, the next one will be crooked, too, and then you're off so far you don't even know how to get back on, right? That's very true. That's very true. A lot of profound uh, thought going into that as well with, the, with, with our message tonight. The next one's off, and the next one's off, and the next one's off. Look over at Proverbs chapter 4, please. Just a few chapters away, we we'll get a little bit more perspective on this. But that's what that word established means there in, in verse 16. That we have a fixed point that we're looking at. Listen, in our lives, Christ should be our fixed point that we're looking at. To become more like Christ every day and following in the path that he has for us and following in what he wants us to do, that's our fixed point. We don't look away to anything else. There's no other target. There's no other goal. There's no other destination. It's God and, and, and Jesus Christ his son. That's our fixed point, and we keep our eyes going in that way. Proverbs four twenty five through 27. Let thine eyes look right on. Let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet. Let all thy ways be. There it is, established. Turn not to the right hand, nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. We're not even looking away, because even a little bit of looking away, right, is going to get that that track, that row, that plowing, whatever, off off base. It's not going to be straight anymore. You have to keep that focus. In the Christian life, we have to do the same thing. We have to keep that focus, not looking to the right or the left. There's a lot of things that distract us in this world, or they're not... And some of them are things that we should not be distracted, that we should not be involved in whatsoever as Christians, okay? And there's some things, like I said at the beginning of the message time tonight, that, that, are, that are okay for a person to be involved in hobbies or things that you enjoy doing, and there's nothing sinful about it. But if we're not careful, our focus gets over there, and all of a sudden, we're so focused on the wrong thing, we're going the wrong way. Our focus is off of Christ. And it becomes an idol when we're worshiping it, or it has a place ahead of Christ in our lives, But established, we're not turning back and forth. We commit our work in the Lord, and he will establish us on the correct path, and we go forward. The correct path is God's word. Psalm 119, 133. I love this verse. It says, order my steps in thy word. Let not any iniquity have dominion over me. Order my steps in the word. May my steps be established and ordered by what God's word says. And as I go in that straight path towards Christ, don't let it have dominion And, and, and the words are established. My feet are established. Psalm 37, 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delighteth in his way. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delighteth in his way. It's like we talked about earlier too. Delighting, delighting ourselves in God, making him the supreme object of our love that's that first meaning there of established we have a sure direction but it also has the idea of fixed or firm secure okay proverbs twelve three: a man shall not be established by wickedness but the root of righteous shall not be moved there's no establishment there's no foundation apart from god's word so, you cannot be established by wickedness. You cannot be established by unrighteousness. We cannot be established if we're doing those things in verse 16, or chapter 16, verse 1, or chapter 16, verse 2. If we're trying to make things happen or make it come to pass, and we're not committing and rolling our works to God, then it's not going to be established. Proverbs 24, 3 Through wisdom is a house builded, and by understanding it is established. Now, both of those verses I picked out because there's two, there's two different things in there that go back to establishment. There are important things to establish with the idea in mind that it's a firm, secure, and fixed position. It's a direction that you're going in that you look towards, and you don't look away to either side of it. The first one is our lives. A man shall not be established by wickedness. And the second one is our house. Through wisdom, a house is building. These are important things in our lives, right? Our life being established and founded on God's word is so important because we cannot function as Christians apart from what God has for us. We can't function apart from what the Bible tells us. So our lives have to be established firmly in God's word. Our homes. Our homes have to be established in God's word and in Christ. I was reading this article this week. And it was kind of an interesting article. And it was saying that, that families in general in America were on kind of a decline, which was affecting the workforce. It was kind of an interesting article. It was talking about how establishing a home and a family was affecting jobs. Because it was saying that um, as, as things are going, people are getting married later in life than they used to. Um, and because of that, uh, there's not an established home, and then people are not, um, they're not going out and, and getting, they don't have a motivation to go out and work. They don't have a motivation to go out and get a better job or to do better in their job, get a promotion, you know, that kind of thing. And it was actually affecting the workforce. It was affecting the economy eventually is what they were, what they were worried about because uh, people were losing one of the motivations that they can have for getting a good job or keeping a good job. Um, there was that, that motivation was taken away, so I thought, well, I won't get too far down that path, but just think about that. How important it is to establish a good home, and how important it is to have a good home established on, on God's Word, definitely, but how that, just getting off just that little bit, you know, right, Mike, just that little bit, and then further down, the next one's off, the next one's off, and here we have them talking about families not being established and, and how it affects the economy. Right, right. And, and that's, and that's a, an interesting thing there as we, as we look into tonight's uh, study there. But establishing, those two things are so important. The establishment of a person's life and the establishment of a person's home. I want to see this really quickly and then we'll be done. Closing up here. Go with me to Titus chapter 3. I think this is important and this kind of brings it all together here because we have this establishment, we have this foundation, we have this security because of Christ. Titus chapter 3. In verse number 5 through 7. and It basically says this in in, in Titus 3, 5 through 7, not by works of righteousness which we have done, But according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration, renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. And the key right there is this, not by works of righteousness, which we have done. We can't be established in our works of righteousness. We can't have a firm foundation in our righteousness. We can't commit our works to our righteousness It has to be done, and it's only being done through Jesus Christ and the finished work on the cross. We have salvation. We have that secure foundation in Christ because of what's already been done for us. And as we pull all those things together, here here is rounding it all out, so to speak. Psalm 127, 1a. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. If we want a fixed Firm, secure foundation. If we want the thing that we need to commit our lives to roll those burdens, to roll those cares, cast those cares onto something that's firm and and solid and gives us grounding as we begin 2019, as we begin a new year, what are we rolling? What are we doing? We are putting everything on Jesus Christ and His righteousness. And that God is going to make the things come to pass that are for his righteousness, that are for his sake, that are for his name's sake, that are for him and the glory that he receives in us being a part of that work, the glory that he receives as we commit those works to him. And we may not know what's all ahead in 2019, and we don't, but we can have a firm and established beginning to 2019 as we commit our works to the Lord and allow him to establish our thoughts. In his righteousness. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the chance you've given us tonight again, an opportunity to come and to hear. And God, I pray again that your words would be what is remembered, that what you've spoken to us tonight through your word would carry us, Lord, make us more like you.